I'm Gary Dickman. I'm Chris Hart. We're the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. And boy, Deshaun Watson. Man, it's coming out about Deshaun Watson every single day now. There's something new about what a sleaze this guy is. We'll get into that today. Also, uh, more firings in Major League Baseball. Aaron Donald, we didn't get to this yesterday, now the most uh, highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL. Lots going on in the NBA, in the world of golf, and the NFL. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Even though basketball still got the finals going on, we'll have game three tomorrow exclusively here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, still, I mean, I, it's a hard series to figure out still, but I want to say one thing about it when I look back on these two games, Chris. What's that? You hope it goes to seven games? No, I'm not going to say that. Call in and win. <laughs> Call in and win. I've learned my lesson. I'll probably or are you going to just say, you like long series? Call in and win. I never thought Go of ahead. that. That's a good idea. I like that. Uh, but you look at these two games, and even though it's tied 1-1 and everybody's saying Boston might have an advantage with home court and all the things they've done well, think about it this way also. In these two games, eight quarters played, Golden State has pretty much been the better team for seven of those eight quarters. Now, I know they're still tied 1-1, but I think maybe some people might be giving Boston a little bit too much credit. They had that great fourth quarter in game one. Without that, they've been good at times. They've been bad at times. Golden State's been a lot more consistent except for that fourth quarter. They've been great in the third quarter of both games. But I I, I was just thinking more so about it, how people are giving Boston all this credit. And, again, I think they deserve some, if not a lot. But don't make them the favorite now because they're tied 1-1 at home. It's not like they've been really dominating a game, let alone a half of a game. Well, okay, so they've been better seven out of the eight quarters, but how much better? I mean, there's been some close quarters where it could go either way. Well, a couple, but there was one quarter where the – the, well, at least at halftime with Jordan Poole making a half-court shot. I mean, that was an even quarter. That You can't give that to really say that was all Golden State's quarter, can you? No, no, no. I, I'm not going to look at it that way. I'm just I'm looking at it more from the Boston being really doing well in the series and maybe having an advantage now being at home. Um, they, they've looked really good in game one, fourth quarter. Other than that, it's either been even or it's been Golden State. Now, you look at game one, Step had that great first quarter where he had 21 points. Yeah, I think they only led by about four or so at the end of the quarter and even at the end of halftime, uh, at halftime of that game. But I don't think Boston has really done anything special except for the fourth quarter in game one. You look at game two, they hung with them a while and give them credit for that. And I'm not saying Boston's not deserving or Boston's not that good. They are really good. But people are making it out, especially after game one and even after game two because they got the split on the road. I don't think that's enough to really label Boston as a favorite in this. Now, they could come back tomorrow and Friday and win both games. I, I don't know if they will. I'm not assuming they will, but, I mean, I think anything is possible. We've learned that. But, again, when you look at what they've accomplished overall, and they've been playing great these whole playoffs, they've been playing really well on the road, I think people are discounting Golden State a little too easily. You know, they didn't play really their best, really, except for a quarter, maybe the third quarter of both games, and maybe step in the first quarter of game one. This is still a really good basketball team, a really dangerous basketball team in Golden State. And, again, Boston might have the answer for tomorrow. I think one of the things for Boston that's really cost them are the turnovers. I think it's 12 and 18 in both games. And, you know, in the first and fourth quarter, it seems like when most of those occur. But I, I just – 
really thought about it the last day or so and thinking that maybe Boston is getting too much acknowledgement when I don't know if they really deserve all that. Al Harford, game of his life in game one. Game two, worst game in the playoffs he could ever have because he only had two points. I know he didn't shoot that much. Still, it was a big difference in what Marcus Smart and Al Harford did. And I know you mentioned it yesterday, and I saw a clip last night of Steph Curry's defense. And I almost forgotten about some of the plays he had made, and Chris did mention it during the show yesterday. And on SportsCenter, I believe it was last night, they were showing about five plays where he was as good a defensive player as there was in the series or in these playoffs uh, against Boston. So you got to remember that about Golden State. Clay Thompson, a good defender, I'm told that repeatedly, and I acknowledge that. Draymond, we know about. I think people are just yeah. counting Golden State, and I, I don't think they're going away. I'm still picking them in six, although I'm not going to swear by it. Uh, but I think Boston, uh, if they don't if they don't sweep at home, they're in trouble. And I don't know if they're going to be able to win two games in a row for a couple of reasons. One, Golden State doesn't usually lose two in a row. Whenever I mean, a lot of teams, I think, when you get this far, you don't usually lose two in a row in the playoffs. Our guest yesterday, John Corrales, even pointed out that they've had trouble winning two in a row. They did it against Miami once and uh, Brooklyn, obviously. And that's saying something, but it's not like they've been just blowing people away in these playoffs. They had two top seven-game series before this one. So, I, I don't yeah, know. What to, okay. I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's... I don't know what to, I don't know I don't I don't know how to come back with that or I don't know how to add to what your thoughts are. I mean, the Boston Celtics has got you know they've got some tremendous talent on their team, and especially when you're talking about Tatum and Brown. I mean, this is we're just, all we're doing is the same conversation we had yesterday, and you've got Clay Thompson, and he he's you know what watching Clay Thompson watch again. He's not the defender that he once was. I think the injuries have taken its toll on him. He's good, but he's not the elite defender he used to be. And that's why it was important for Curry to step up. I don't think uh, Steph Curry can play defense like this for the rest of the series either. So I mean, I, I I mean I don't I don't know what to say. I I don't know how to respond to what you're saying. Well, you th- that Boston shouldn't get as much credit as they do. It's not, the only, it's not so much that. It's just that I think a lot of people, oh, after the first two games, are saying they're the favorite, they're the better team, and just really praising them. And that's fine if you feel that way. But I look back at it as a whole. I'm not even looking at it so much individually. I'm looking at these teams. And, again, Golden State has outplayed them for the most part quarter by quarter. I know that doesn't determine who's the better team necessarily or who the winner is and all that. We no, not at that all. Not football. at all, because different things happen in different quarters, and there's a reason why – this happened in a quarter, and that didn't happen in a quarter. And when you break down the quarters, oh, Golden State, they were better in the first quarter yesterday. Well, it was 31 to 30. Oh, they were better in the second quarter, Chris. Well, it was 21 to 20. So they're, t- in my eyes, you've got two even teams here, and I think I didn't think this was going to be a long series. I thought that Boston would be better. But you have a couple of blowouts, you know, you have that blowout in the third quarter by the Golden State Warriors on Sunday. But otherwise, the Boston Celtics won a quarter 24-20. to 20. I don't know. Except for a few blowout quarters by both teams, it's been pretty even. Well, I mean, you could look at it that way, and I think that's, way, again, that's a way of looking at it. Sure, I think it's been close, but I, I, my point is that a lot of people, I think, are saying Boston has been much better, and they have the advantage now because they're at home. And the reason but, I broke down the quarters 
the way I did. It's not because the quarter matters as far as winning a quarter. It's just that when you look at the two games as a whole, I think Golden State has, to me, clearly been the better team overall. Not completely in every aspect or every quarter. And again, if you take away the fourth quarter of game one, I still think Golden State by far. Uh, maybe not by far, but by a decisive amount has been the better team. Not just the third quarter scores or the one-point victory. I think they've been the better team. Now, Boston has made some really good shots, and you mentioned Brown in both games. Tatum had an awful shooting game in game one, we know. And in game two, it was Smart and Horford who stunk it up. And that's what I think is going to hurt Boston down the stretch of this series is that they don't have as much consistency as Golden State. Clay Thompson can be off, but he's still going to give you 15, 16 points, maybe with a lower shooting percentage. But you're not going to get all these guys off as often as maybe Boston is as far as the consistency factor. Yeah, I think Boston got in a little bit of foul trouble with a couple of their players in the last game. I think that was it. You mentioned the turnovers. They can easily clean that up. Um, when you go back to Golden State Warriors, I mean, they had the, in game one, uh, Boston, you know, beat them one, one quarter, 40 to 16. Quarter before that, it was Golden State, 38 to 24. All of the quarters, except for three, have been pretty close. So I know that you, you're saying you're just saying you're looking at it as a whole yeah. over two days. But if you're looking at it as a whole over two days, Aren't they even at one win and one loss? No, no. Well, technically at one and one, yeah. But that's my point is that I'm not just looking at the score or the score of the series. I'm looking at what, as an example, what Steph Curry has been able to do. They haven't been able to stop Steph Curry. And if there's, right. there's going to be a close game in these playoffs, and let's hope there is at least one down to the wire, I trust Golden State way more than I trust Boston in a close game down the stretch. Even though Jalen Brown has been clutch, he wasn't clutch. Well, he was clutch in Game Seven against Miami. I should I'll sure. say that, but I I, tr I think Golden State has shown more to me, even though the score shows that it's 1-1 and that some of these quarters have been closed, I think Golden State has been the better team without looking at the scoreboard uh, or any of the other factors. I mean, you can, make re you can have reasons as far as foul trouble or whatever it is. To me, Golden State has been the better team without looking at numbers. Okay, so without looking at numbers, the Boston Celtics won game one by – 12 points but they weren't the better team that day is what you're saying the no, better no, team no. was golden state that lost 120 to 108 i don't get this line of thinking i actually and you know what i i will say golden state was the better team and for that for that game they just fell apart in that fourth quarter nine minute stretch and that was it and when you get outscored 40 to 16 and 19 to nothing and i know that matters because the team right. that did it won That's, the game because of that right but i still you, think golden state was the, a better team at the end of the day you can't go Okay, in seven games, Boston won. Well, just barely, Golden State was the better team. I don't care who the better team is. I care who wins the games. And sometimes you have upsets. And sometimes you have the New York Jets beating the Baltimore Colts in 1967. The New York Jets were not the better team. It happens sometimes. I wouldn't get caught up on, well, it doesn't matter who wins. This team's a better team. Who cares? I didn't say Tiger it doesn't Woods, matter who wins. Tiger Woods is the best golfer that we've seen. Arguably, some would say Jack Nicholas. Well, he doesn't always win, does he? So that one year, Charles Schwartzel won the Masters. But Tiger Woods is the better golfer, right? Who cares? We're talking about the Masters. We're talking about a world championship in basketball. Who cares who the better team is? 
let's just say whoever wins is the champions of the world. Well, that's obvious. I think that's a given. We don't have to say that. Oh, okay. And I, I think golf is real, way different, way different. And it, it is different. Yeah. It's just something I came yeah. off at the top of my head. Okay. I don't care what you're getting at. What you're getting at is it's one-to-one, but you think Golden State is the better team. It's, it's not but the better whole... team doesn't always win. But that's beside the fact that we're not done with it okay. yet, so we'll see it then. I'm saying right okay. now after two games, and it's not so much that I'm saying Golden State is the better team. My main point, again, as I started, was that Boston is being acclaimed by a lot of people as having an advantage being at home, and they mm. took care of business in Golden State. And they really, right. I mean, some people are saying okay. they, more people are saying they're the better team, and I don't agree with that. Well, not Las Vegas. I mean, immediately after the uh, the the Eastern Conference Finals were over, it was Golden State Warriors favored to win the NBA Finals. Immediately after. Now, maybe that's just the odds makers, but they base that on something, don't they? They do, but again, look at the ESPN computer. They gave Boston an 86% chance to win the series before it started, right. which I thought was And amazing. so did Zodiac Signs of the World or whatever that website was because they have more Pisces on their team. <laughs> I, I, I mean, trust everyone... ESPN's computers a little bit differently. No, but that's analytics. That doesn't yeah. mean anything because that's why. otherwise why play the games? Well, the, you're looking Vegas at doesn't analy- mean anything either. Oh, sure, I know. But what you're saying is everybody thinks that Boston's a better team. I'm not. I'm not seeing that, especially wow. here in Hawaii. I just think on ESPN shows, whether it's well, mostly the talk shows or on Twitter with people yeah. that cover the NBA, it seems like most people are giving Boston the praise after Game One and even after Game Two. Yeah, not as much I, I don't know. Two. I don't spend a ton of time sitting in front of the TV, so I couldn't tell you what people on TV are saying. But at the same time, it's you know th- this is what's this is what's great about it. You have. A couple of teams, and they look pretty even to me. They look pretty even so far. Just if you're looking at blowout quarters and quarters that were close, and we're tied one to one. Now, anytime a uh, the the what do you call it? Not the 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 team that has home court advantage, which is the Golden State Warriors. Anytime you start out one and one at home, you're at a disadvantage. So that's what I think people are saying. They're saying, hey, you know what? Boston's got Boston is one up. Golden State Warriors, they gotta they gotta scratch and claw to win one on the road. Now, the good thing is Golden State Warriors are a better home team than the Boston Celtics are by a little bit. But at the same time, I think that's what people are saying is, hey, Boston's got an advantage because they won one on the road. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's the conversation. I think you're mishearing it. No, no, I'm not mishearing it. I, that's, that's what people are saying because they got that split. But just also by the way they have played, and especially in the uh, fourth quarter of game one, I, I think people are, are dismissing a little bit too much on how good Golden State is. Uh, and, again, maybe they didn't close out game one, and, of course, they didn't. But this is a fantastic basketball team. And you said they're going to have to scratch and claw their way to a win. That might be one way of describing but it's not like – they're, I mean, they're at a big disadvantage or they're a big underdog. This is still the Golden State Warriors, the nucleus of the team that has won three championships and has been in the final six of eight years. They, they're not like a it's, new kid it's on the block. the nucleus of a team that won one world championship, Gary. One. Because without Kevin Durant, this team has only won one championship. The nucleus of the team that won three championships, it doesn't exist anymore because he's out there playing with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. 
he oh, was the nucleus the nucleus of the team. I, I'm just getting technical with you. You still have the backcourt. You got Draymond. You got Wiggins, who's not Kevin Durant, but he's been playing really well and giving you about 18 to 20 a game. So I think the nucleus pretty much is still there. This is still a very, very good basketball team. I just don't think that people are giving them enough credit. And, that, and that's, you know, again, with the sense that you're hearing after the first couple of games. I'm going to let me put you on the spot a little bit. What, now that they're tied 1-1, what do you think the result of these finals will be? I don't know. I haven't given it much thought, really. I'm just kind of enjoying the ride. If you had to ask me today, and it might change next week because we've only seen two games, I'd say the Boston Celtics are going to win. they got home court advantage now. And home court advantage usually is a plus. So I'm going with the Celtics. You want to bet? You want to make a bet? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it well, didn't work out good for Miami yeah, or I mean, A cup of coffee, a cup of coffee, and make it a large, baby. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going crazy. How about an extra Woo! large? <laughs> I don't think they have extra large. Oh. Uh, hey, you know what extra large is called? A thermos. <laughs> thermos. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> nobody called, nobody, nobody, nobody no. has thermoses anymore. You notice that? No, it's yeah. true. They have hydro flasks. Yeah, I guess yeah, hydro flask right. is today's thermos. Hey, there's a nice uh, nice article about uh, our very own uh, John Veneri in the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Check it out, StarAdvertiser.com. My computer is acting up. I can't see it. But you you read it. Nice, nice little article about uh, John by Stephen Tsai. Yeah, by Stephen talking about John taking over for Bobby Kern, and one of his quotes is, I'm excited but a little nervous because it's a main position, but I'm excited to do it. He also mentions in the article how one of the people he focuses on, in a nice way how he described his, I think, 95-year-old grandmother, he wants to make sure when he's announcing football that anybody can understand it. I mean, the football purists are going to know football, but when he can let people like his grandmother understand it, then he feels like he's accomplishing, accomplishing a lot. So I thought that was an interesting way of presenting it, too. You know, he's been saying that for a while now. You would think that him or Mark would go to Grandma and just explain the game to him <laughs> instead of keep bringing that up. I mean, come on. I never thought of that. I'm just giving you, giving you a hard time, John Veneri. We're proud, proud of uh, your uh, – we're proud of you guys. We love the Veneris. All right. Uh, okay. And by the way, it's uh, we've got a guest. Jamie Eisenberg is going to talk some NFL. I guess we're going to get into – uh, Deshaun Watson coming up in a few minutes. But we are taking texts at the Zephyr Insurance text line, 808-296-1420. And let me uh, redo this again because it's acting up. And there we go. Okay. Oh, here's a great text to start it off. Gary not making no sense at all. It don't mean a thing per quarter. It's the final score. Actually, no, it's just sour grapes on how the Celtics destroyed the Nets. (laughs) It's so obvious, Gary. Thank you. Two of those games were really, really close. Next texter from the 864 says Celtics and Warriors are two even teams. Could go either way. Scores or quarters don't matter. In the Memphis series, the Warriors were down by 50 at one point. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for agreeing. Uh, Daryl, thank you for your text. Gary, take his bet. Chris has no clue on what he's talking about. <laughs> okay, here I have a problem. With, we, okay. We wait. Uh, people who say that Boston is going to win this series have no idea what they're talking about, even though right now they have home court advantage? Come on, Daryl. But that Daryl. doesn't, but that doesn't matter. 
Come that on, That doesn't man. matter. Because get to what? the next text, and you'll see why that doesn't matter. But let's. I want to go back for a second. I would owe you a large coffee if Boston wins, but what would I get? I don't drink coffee, so what do I get when Golden State wins? Well, a large whiskey. <laughs> large whiskey? Since you don't drink coffee, <laughs> the, the, your favorite drink. My favorite tequila. Nobody's believing that. <laughs> tequila. Uh, next one. Thank you for texting in, guys. Boston is 5-4 and four at home, so I wouldn't really call that home court advantage. 5-4 and four at home. Oh, during the playoffs is what they're yeah. saying. So I wouldn't really call that a home court advantage. Also, the nucleus, Kevin Durant hasn't won a championship since he left Golden State. But uh, as this texture would, has left out, that Kevin Durant was the MVP of those finals that he played in. So he was only a very important them. part. Uh, yeah, but they only won three. But he, the, the third one, he was hurt. Kevin Durant. Oh, 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 the third one. Okay, so two of the three, he was the MVP. No, the Golden State Warriors, wait, how many championships does Steph Curry have? Four? Three, three. Yeah. The first one without Kevin Durant, yep. and then the two with Kevin Durant. So Kevin he, Durant has two MVPs. Yeah, but you said he, the two finals he was in, he was in three finals with them, and he won two MVPs, oh, 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 although he was hurt in the third I mean, finals. So, Okay, all right. Anyway, 808-296-1420. We'll get more texts coming up. Gary and Chris here with the Animals on this Tuesday afternoon on ESPN Honolulu. We're going to talk some NFL football. And our next guest, you hear him often talking the NFL. He's an NFL analyst for CBS Sports and also covers fantasy football. I'm going to tie that in as he covers fantasy for CBS. Jamie Eisenberg joining us. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. And I was just going to talk strictly NFL, but I saw an article earlier that with Aaron Rodgers on Green Bay, without Devontae Adams, Valdez Scantling is gone, that he would no longer be a QB1 in fantasy football. You're one of the big experts. Your thoughts on that? Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me. As, as always, I appreciate coming on with you guys. Um, he's not a number one quarterback for me, but that's only based on the rankings. I think he still will be drafted as a number one guy. And the reason I say that that way is because you typically go, there's a, you know, most leagues are 12 teams or 10 teams, and he's outside of my top 12. Uh, but I have no problem if somebody wants to take them as their number one quarterback. There's a group of about four or five guys, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, depending on Deshaun Watson, you know, maybe Trey Lance, if he's the, the starter for San Francisco, there's a group of, you know, five or six guys that, that will be in contention for that 10 to 12 spot, uh, 10 through 12 spot, and Rodgers is in that group now. Do you think, though, offensively, there'll be somewhat of a drop-off, a big drop-off in their production overall as a team with what they've lost? I mean, you have to expect that when you lose arguably the best receiver in the NFL, but typically what we've seen from Rodgers in the last three years has been seven games where Adams has either uh, left early or, or missed, and his numbers really haven't fallen off. They've actually gotten better. Now, part of that is, you know, he, he's able to adjust. Do not adjust to him, but, you know, now when you look at this receiving core, and he had a comment today about Alan Lazard being his number one guy. When you look around the league and you see Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, Timmy Watkins, they have arguably the worst receiving core in the NFL, and you're asking the MVP to save them. Hopefully he does for Packers fans, but it's just so hard to trust when you don't have that number one guy. What about his offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who now went to Denver? How much of a loss is that for Green Bay? You know, it's a loss, but anytime you have an offensive play caller like Matt LaFleur, you know, you have to wonder how much, you know, his influence is really the, the, the overriding force, you know. So 
Um, it, it's you never you know want to lose guys in in the offensive coaching staff in the room. You know, a guy that obviously Rogers trusts. And, you know, there was some thought when he was you know hoping to or at least talking about getting traded that maybe it was going to be a package deal that wherever Hackett goes, you know, Rogers would follow. Uh, but I think you know, where you Rogers, you know, he's really his own coach at this point. You know, when you get a, a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and someone who's accomplished as much as he has. Um, you know, the, the, the game plan is laid out, even though, you know, a lot of it is what he's seeing and then what he's relaying to the coaches as well. So uh, it's a loss, but I don't think that's as big a loss as it's not that. You can check out Jamie Eisenberg on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg, J-A-M-E-Y, as he joins us on ESPN Honolulu from CBS Sports talking the NFL. You mentioned uh, Deshaun Watson, more news coming out seemingly almost every day now, and today the number 66 came out where allegedly there were 66 women who were complaining about him and more details and charges. How do you think this is going to end up? I, I After today's news and every day this last four, five, six days, I wonder if he's ever going to wear a Cleveland Browns uniform. Yeah, it's getting worse and worse by the by the minute. It seems not just today at this point, you know. So yeah, it's uh, just you know crazy to think what the Browns paid him. Uh, you know how this is all going to play out from Cleveland's perspective, and you know you wonder if we get to we. I I can't imagine that he's not going to get suspended. You know, even if the court cases do, you know, not necessarily play out in terms of the the, the victim's favor. Um, you know, or at least a, a verdict that is you know anti Sean Watson at this point. So. Uh, I, you know, we've seen Roger Goodell have a heavy hand with these things before. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, there's they're certainly a track record of that. And so I wonder what, you know, the, the, the suspension is going to be. Obviously, the Trevor Bauer situation, you know, you have to take that into account as well, what the MLB has done. And so I think when you look at Deshaun Watson right now, uh, I think, you know, the Browns, you know, they say they, do, they did their due diligence. It just does not seem that way. So uh, probably going to be at least an eight-game suspension. Who knows what that gets appealed down to, but wouldn't surprise me at all if he doesn't play for the Browns. Do you think that the NFL will rule on this sometime soon, at least just for the Browns' benefit, because, you know, they've got to get ready for camp in a little over a month, and they've got to decide, is it Baker, is it somebody else, and what their next step is if it's not Watson. So do you think Roger Goodell and the NFL will act uh, soon on this? I I would hope so, you know, for for their team's sake. You know, by the time they get to training camp, that there's some sort of an answer of, you know, the Browns preparing for week one. Uh, most likely it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. I can't imagine that they go back to Baker Mayfield, you know, unless, of course, you know, Deshaun Watson, as, as you sort of alluded to, that he does not play for the Browns, and they really have to backtrack. But, you know, they put themselves in such a corner here of what they paid Deshaun, uh, going all in with a player who's got this looming over his head, and then having, you know, the Baker Mayfield situation play out as it has without trading him. So uh, they have options, you know, if, if Baker decides to play. But, you know, they have a proven guy in Jacoby Brissett, albeit one who has not necessarily had a success uh, as a starting quarterback in the NFL before. What are your thoughts, Jamie, about the Cincinnati Bengals had a magical year last year? Are they going to be a team that's going to be in the running for an AFC championship year in, year out with this group? I mean, anytime you have a quarterback like that, you know, you got to feel comfortable about where you're at. you got to like what they did this offseason in terms of upgrading the offensive line. You know, you bring in a guy like Zach Harris. Uh, you bring in, you know, uh, the, the kid from Tampa Bay, the guard, Cap, uh, I believe. Um, you know, you get Lyle Collins, you know, so they get three proven guys. And, you know, just giving Joe Burrow more time with that receiving core. Uh, they're building the defense up, you know. So uh, we see this formula before. You know, you get a rookie, you know, a quarterback on a rookie deal, and you, you, know, you put pieces around him. You hope you have that window of success. And then when you have to pay the quarterback, you just kind of hope it works out as, uh, you know, the franchise doesn't have to, you know, mix and match parts and lose key guys along the way. But, yeah, I think so. You know, you're looking at a, a Browns team, you know, if you're just starting about the division. A Browns team that's clearly, you know, up in the air. A, a Pittsburgh franchise that's restarting at the quarterback position. 
you know, Baltimore is, you know, dealing with the Lamar Jackson contract situation. So they seem to be the favorite in the division. You know, you look at the AFC West, those teams are going to beat, beat themselves up, presumably. AFC East is obviously Buffalo, but, uh, you know, there might be some contenders on, on that side as well with Miami and, and the Patriots. So who knows how the Jets, you know, come out this year. So if they can get through the AFC North and, you know, win the division handily, I don't know if that's the case, but if they can, you know, they might be looking at the one seed in the AFC, and that's a pretty good way to go. NFL analyst for CBS Sports, Jamie Eisenberg, joining us on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You know, we keep hearing that Trey Lance is expected to start for the 49ers in week one. They weren't really high in him last year as far as his development, which is understandable as a rookie. And I know they're ready to move on from Jimmy G, but is that the right move without Trey Lance having proven himself over the course of a NFL season, let alone a couple of games as a starter? Yeah, and you wonder how much that finger injury, you know, played a part in that, you know, him not being able to practice fully and, and, and play at the right level. Um, it's such a great team that they have there, you know, because if, if when they're right, they fully, you know, dealt with some injuries. But, you know, you have arguably the best left tackle in football in Trent Williams. You have a strong run game with how they typically, you know, mix and match their running backs with just the system. Obviously, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, you know, Nick Bosa on the other side, Fred Warner, you know, they just have so many key parts all across the board. Uh, you know, if Trey Lance can have sort of that, you know, impact that we've seen from some of these mobile quarterbacks that have success, obviously Lamar Jackson being, you know, the most obvious one. But, um, you know, if he can step in and, and, you know, sort of take this team to, I don't necessarily think the next level because that, that would be a knock on Jimmy G because he's been so successful, but just give him a different look. Uh, he absolutely could be the starter for them. He absolutely could be, you know, the quarterback that they need that could be a difference maker. So, you know, for a guy that didn't play very much in his final year in college, uh, you know, you have to take that into account as well. So, Hopefully the year, hopefully, you know, being healthy and, and getting in the system. Uh, you know, they just put themselves in a bad spot. And, you know, how much of it was the 49ers not being aggressive and trading Jimmy G? How much of it was the shoulder injury and the fact that he's still on the roster? We'll find out what they do when we get closer to the season. But if Jimmy G is still on the roster, that's probably telling about what they think about Trey Lance. Good thing is we are getting closer to the start of the season. Training camp's a little over a month away. Jamie, thanks for talking the NFL with us. I'm sure we'll continue that. And, of course, fantasy football later on as well. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports talking the NFL. There's a lot going on with quarterbacks on and off the field, mainly off the field, of course, with Deshaun Watson. We'll find out more in the upcoming days uh, about what happens with him. I still feel, though, there's a chance after everything we've heard every day in the last week that he may never play for the Cleveland Browns. And time will tell, but I'm sure they're probably reconsidering it as well, especially with all the money they guaranteed Sean Watson. Man, my mind has been on this Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson uh, situation all day. I mean, it's it basically goes to a therapist once a week, the massage therapist, and either uh, – assaults them, touches them in a bad way, begs for sex. Uh, you know, it's there's there's a few that there's 15 of them that said, "Yeah, he didn't do anything to me." 15 out of the 66 came forward and said, "Yeah, he, he didn't do anything to me." And then you have the Houston Texans trying to cover it up. So, this puts the New York Times did a great job on on finding out, you know, interviewing all these people. And that puts Roger Goodell in a bad situation because, you know, it's like, oh, we're, we're, they haven't done anything yet. He's not even on their ex the commissioner's exempt list. 
So it's like, oh, we're still investigating. Uh, we're almost done. It's like, really, Roger? What, what are you doing in your investigation? And look at what the Times did in their investigation, and look at the information they've found. I mean, that's crazy. The only reason that Deshaun Watson get got off was I guess they couldn't prove anything, right? Yeah, it was court. something that wasn't on video. It was done behind the closed doors and, you know, all the stuff that he did. I and mean, he's a smart guy. I mean, the guy's a predator. He, he knows what he's doing before he's, he's he, he doing it. You know what I mean? He's thinking these things out. And he's going, okay, here's my next victim. Let me see if I can do this. It's just weird that over 40 people you ask or you try and uh, get frisky with, they keep saying no. And sometimes you beg. Sometimes you go ahead and and and, and uh, go ahead with what you're or you want to do anyway. Sorry, it's 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 tough to talk about and keep clean, really. But it's like every week someone says no and he moves on to another one. Why do you have 66 different people massaging you over a year and a half? Because right. they keep saying no. I don't want to. I don't want to touch that. And they keep moving. And he keeps moving on. Okay, maybe this one will. What? No? Okay, I got another one. I mean, it's just so, it's, what do you think his mom thinks? Think about that. It's like, hey, you know, and he still says, all I can do is continue to do is tell the truth. That's what he said on March 25th. I deny all wrongdoing. I have never assaulted, disrespected, or harassed any woman in my life. (laughs) <laughs> only you know even afterwards even after the okay after he had 22 um the women in the lawsuit it was uh you know they couldn't find they couldn't find him guilty and so he says see so the cleveland browns go ahead and give him 230 million dollars guaranteed right and now you have a couple of other ladies come out recently one yesterday and then one last week saying Wait a minute. I didn't say anything before, but that's not right. I mean, that's the, 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 that's the big finger to all of the victims. Now, the New York Times has only found 66 people who have come in contact with him on a massage table. There's probably more. And the thing is, and this is what I want to know about because they only touched on it is that the Houston Texans knew about it and were covering it up. I think a couple of things about this. I, I'm disgusted by it, too, but, you know, he says it was consensual. Now, I don't believe him. The court of public opinion doesn't seem to, but he says that. As far as Roger Goodell and the NFL, yeah, they do take their time, and I think they want to maybe protect their, not really their own, but their image, and he still falls under the NFL umbrella, of course. But there's still right now allegations because he wasn't proven guilty in a court of law. They had the civil uh, suit. And the two ladies that were added from the 22 to make it 24, they said they saw the real sports special. And I watched that a few weeks ago where some of these alleged victims came out and gave details. And when you see the face telling the story, not that it hits home, but it makes it more believable, I think. You know, when you can see and feel their emotions on there. And, again, I don't think he's innocent. I don't. 
But until he's proven guilty, how can the NFL – I know the NFL has done it before like they did with Ben Roethlisberger, but I think that's why they're being really careful with what punishment they give out until they know exactly what has been verified or been proven. But they've done that before when something wasn't proven. They have have, um, suspended and fined players when things haven't been proven. Don't ask me to give you a case. But there's at least – Okay, so there's there, and then yeah, many, yeah. many, many, many others. There was no proof. They just said, "Hey, that's not real cool that you're in this situation. You're you're fined. Yeah, you're right, suspended." Right. So, you know, when you say the NFL, and I wrote down what you said word for word, you said the NFL is trying to protect their image. I don't think you're protecting your image when you got a guy who is more than guilty in the court of public opinion. It's like O.J., it's like protecting O.J. Simpson. Well, everybody knew he did it, right? Everyone knows O.J. did it. He got off on a technicality because his lawyers were just better than the other ones. I mean, they took a little glove that was shrunk that shrunk because it's leather and was wet and goes, here, try this on. Hey, it doesn't fit. If the gloves does not fit, you cannot acquit. Right. The jury was biased in that case, too, though. They admitted it. Okay, but whatever the, the point he, is, yeah, he was lucky. The point the point is they couldn't prove it, but you know he's guilty. Yeah. Then he was proven guilty in the uh, in the civil case, and then you know to back up what kind of guy he was, he busted into a hotel room with a machine gun or a handgun trying to get back some stuff that was he said was stolen for him, and spent years in prison. Deshaun Watson, if you ha- if you have twenty four people that you know of. 24 people who aren't afraid, all saying the same thing. All of their stories are remarkably similar, but they couldn't prove it. So you're like, well, hey, you know, guilty till proven, innocent till proven guilty. I don't think that's always the case. And that's where the NFL should step in and step in big. Because if he can continue to play without being, without being punished, that will hurt your image. You're trying to protect your image, you do something about it. That's that's exactly the opposite of what you said. Hope you're having a great National VCR Day. That's right. <laughs> VCRs. Remember to rewind. Remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, VCRs. Unbelievable. There's always blinking 12, yeah. right? It's blinking 12 on it all the way. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, National National VCR Day today. I hope everybody's celebrating it. And, and um, it's very good. Anyway. You still have any VCRs in, in, in storage or anything? No, when I, tapes? when I moved a little over a year ago, whatever I might have had. Actually, it's probably an old DVD player I threw out. But, yeah, the VHS and Beta, they were long gone. Yeah, I think I still have Back to the Future or something on VHS in the garage. Make sure and pull that up. I think my wedding photos are on a v, I have VHS tapes or of, of wedding videos. <laughs> That's how long I've been married. It's uh, a couple minutes after 4 o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. Dan Favalli, uh, talking NBA from the Bleacher Report, joins us a little later on this hour. And um, we're talking about Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. And just before uh, Keegan's Sports Center, you had mentioned that the NFL wants to protect their image, so they're making sure whatever they're doing. And I'm saying if they want to protect their image, they suspend Deshaun Watson now, or at least – Put him on the uh, commissioner's exemption list. 
So I don't think they need to do that on June 7th because there's no real football going on now. As I asked Jamie about it, they probably have to make a decision before training camp starts just for Cleveland's benefit. They have to know who their quarterback may or may not be. But I think the NFL Mm -hmm. has to also find out, and that's why the investigation probably is still going on, although I think they're really slow on a lot of these. They have to find out how guilty he is. In other words, how many cases might he be guilty of? Because I think he's going to get suspended. I'm pretty certain he will. You're getting a little ahead now because what we're talking about is the NFL protecting its image. You're saying they need, they don't need to pro- – you need to protect your image by acting now. It doesn't matter if the season's here or not. We just got a text, and it says, Browns fans are as disgusted as anyone, if not more. You need – if you're trying to protect your image, you don't protect your image in September. You protect your image – now, while it's the conversation of talk radio all over the country, while people are, pro- are preparing protests for your stadium and things like that, you need, to, you need to protect your image right now if you're the Cleveland Browns and if you're the NFL. This is, you don't wait until, you know, three months until the season starts. It's too late. What you're doing is you're hoping it goes down the news cycle, right? No, You're hoping no. people forget about this. Well, that, that's what that's what they, it, by not doing it. That's what you're. That's essentially what you're doing, is hoping that people kind of forget about it. I don't think that. I, again, the season starts in three months. I'm not saying they wait. Then I think they do it before July 25th. You just said that. No, I, I said before you just camp opens. Wait till the season starts. No, not. And I said before. No. Camp. no, 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 no. Do it now. Do it this week. You, this you week, don't have enough information. Talk, hold on. Who? The NFL? They but, don't need to because, as we've seen in the past, there's precedence for this. You don't, and you don't know the information they have. They've been, they have been um, investigating this for a while now, for months. Yeah. They've got to have enough information to know that this guy's a sleazebag and he's making you look really bad. But we know how much of a sleazebag, again, these aren't proven that he's guilty of any of this. So maybe they have more information, but they've got to be careful. 24 people came out with the same story. We live in a country where innocent until proven guilty. Now, the NFL is going to suspend them. No, 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 it's not. This isn't Russia. It's no. (laughs) It is. It is. in, in 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 this country, it's. Whatever the it's the court of public opinion. That's how you get. That's 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 how it goes. Everybody says that OJ is guilty, and he was. Look at the information we have. I don't even. I I only read articles from time to time about this when it comes out on ESPN.com. I've got an opinion about it. If I give this to my wife, she's going to look at or John Venary's ninety-five-year-old grandmother. <laughs> They're going to look at this and go, oh, I can draw a conclusion easily. 24 people saying the same thing? How did he, How was he not guilty, right? I mean, all you got to do is do some kind of sting. Have somebody wearing a wire, right? Some <laughs> yeah. kind of secret body cam and, uh, you know, meet them on Instagram like, you know, 40 other people. And you've got the, the Houston Texans trying to cover it all up. You do, what you, else? What other information do we need? Well, you don't punish There's him on the cover-up co- that got exposed by the New York Times. I agree. Why would you cover something up? I don't say Why cover would you it cover up. Something up because he's innocent. No, no. But that's what that, that's. What, you didn't read this, did you? I did you read it without doing your homework. I did read it. But a couple of things: you don't punish somebody based on 
public opinion. You based on the fact because opinion might be based on a lot of factors that no, aren't legal. Can, no, 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 sure. no, 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 no. You can do that. The you, NFL has done that in the past. Punish it on public opinion. Our workplace. No, not on public opinion. They've they've done an investigation. Nothing was proven, but they punished you anyway. You will be punished from this radio station if this happened to you, Gary. It's not proven you got off. But you ain't working here, dude. That's how it is. You can do this. You you can punish the Cleveland Browns. What? I th- again, I think you the just brought up Ben Roethlisberger. I know, but the extent of the punishment is going to be different based on whether he's guilty or, or thought to be guilty or how guilty he is. Uh, and I mean, one case is as bad as thirty. I think it's pretty black and white. There's pretty thing of black and white. You still have how to be guilty proven. are you? You can't. Suspend how much her for did a you year? assault her? But how? It's not proven. Why? How can you? How, how, why can you? Because 24 women came forward and said, you, you, you did this to me. But there's we, no I, proof. There's, I, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to explain my case without saying certain words that I would never <laughs> say on the radio. They're not, cuss, they're not cuss words, but it's certain words that I don't want to say. Okay. Uh, you know, one starts with an M. Yeah, you know, and, and, and doing that in front of her. You know, okay, it's right, just right, right. It, the but guys we don't know weirdo. that happened. We don't know I don't if think, that happened. I don't think they don't want money. Why are they bringing this up, Gary? They're just making it up. They're just saying, hey, you know what? 20 other people come. I'll, I'll jump forward and say the same thing. They're not asking for money. Not Why yet. are they coming forward to do this? I, I, can, I, I think he's guilty, but you can't just think somebody's guilty and put him in jail or suspend him for a year. Maybe they got a book I didn't deal say later put him on. In jail. Who knows? I'm talking about any kind of punishment. I didn't say put him in jail. You can't punish him. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, no. Yeah, and if this was a court of law, if you don't, that's why he's not punished and not found guilty. They couldn't prove it. But if his employer says, you know what, you know what, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's, there's, I don't believe you. You're saying you, 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 you have, I have never assaulted, disrespected, or harassed any woman in my life. There's not one or two. There's 24 that have come forward. That's an astounding amount of women accusing you of the exact same thing time after time after time after time. He's a predator, and he's got to be stopped, not rewarded with $230 million guaranteed. Did we have a caller on the line? Ken is on. Ken, go ahead and uh, jump in here. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be careful on how I speak as well. I believe there's a word called mores, M-O-R-E-S. And it has something to do with customs or uh, that are that are native to a certain culture and certain expectations. One thing about Deshaun Watson is his age. He's a very young guy, and at that age, there's a certain amount of testosterone that's not an excuse. But as a man who's now well over 50, even over 60, just recently, I know that there's a difference between me now and me then. There's a certain amount of self-control that you can exercise. And another thing that comes into factor is the money. This guy is so loaded. I believe the only reason this is happening, and and bear with me, he's a nice guy. This kind of thing happens to nice guys. But he might have some weird proclivity or something that did offend some people. But I think on top of it all is a money grab. 66 people, it's like a class action suit. But as far as what he's guilty of, I wasn't there. As far as him relieving himself, I can only relate one thing that happened to me, and I'm going to end it with a good story. 
at Costco. Wait, a, hold on a second, Ken. Me. Hold on a second, Ken. Ken, hold on a second. Keegan, get sure, the button sure, ready. Sure, okay, sure. just in case. Go ahead. Ooh. Ooh, wait. Get the button ready. It's not that bad. It's not that bad, man. I went to Costco, and I bought this handheld. It's a hand massager, and believe you me, it has saved me the trouble of ever going for another Thai massage or another Swedish massage. You can go for a 60-minute massage. You can go for a 90-minute massage. But the women are as treacherous, some of them, with a certain <laughs> company that I will not name. They will do something okay. to, to try to make you to try to try make you go to a point where they make you pay for a happy ending. That thing works both ways. Okay, all right. Trapped. There's a button. That's all button. I am done. Button. I'm done. I'm done. All right. I'm done. Did we... Did Thank we get the call. button back in the, back in the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu? Did we get the button on that one? Oh, I knew it. I knew we were in danger. Thank you, Ken. All right. Uh, oh, that was fun. Okay, so right around now, people are listening to the radio, and it's not making sense what we're saying because Keegan pressed the button that extracts something that Ken just said, and we're on actually ten second delay. So if folks aren't understanding, what? wait, the guy was in the middle of a conversation. Now he's gone. What happened? It was a, something Ken said. And it wasn't that bad. I just but, thought if yeah. there's kids in the car, let's, right, yeah, right. let's not. Let's not. <laughs> oh, this is a fun job. Man. But even Ken pointed out, I mean, basically that, again, these are still allegations. And I know the NFL can punish. Again, my point is that the amount of punishment, I think, has to be determined on how guilty they think he is or if it's hearsay. And without, again, with 24 women with this smoke, this fire. Okay. I think he's Explain guilty. hearsay. Hearsay Explain is when you hearsay. hear something. You when you hear something from, let's say, these females who allege these acts against Deshaun Watson, but there's no these proof females, there. Females. These females. Females. You mean women? Professional yeah. women. Well, they're females. I think that's good enough. People knew what I meant. Uh, and I, and it's I a think, little rude. Not rude at all. How is that rude? They. They're saying things, and it's just people talking without proving anything, without any actual proof. And if people take that as fact, well, it's not proof. It's hearsay. It just means something that's not factual that people hear that maybe they take it for fact. Maybe some don't. I don't how many, think okay. that's fair. How many people need to come forward and say that, um, you know, this guy is, did this to me? There's no lumber. There's you no got limit. 24. No you need 100? You can't draw the line 300? on 3, 10, 300 20, people? or 100. Because it's not fair. So Wait, 300 people came line? forward, 1,000 people come forward and say, this guy made me touch his wing-wing. 1,000 people said that. And you go, oh, can't prove it. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that guy deserves to make 230. I don't think that guy deserves to make. I think I draw the line at 20. I draw the line at 10. The exact same story. Started massaging him, then he started doing this. I, these people haven't even met each other. They're from different parts of the country. Some people were employed by the Houston Texans. Now, I don't know if those people were, uh, you know, on the assault list. But at the same time, that's enough for me. Is I think it, it's enough for most intelligent people listening to this radio program are going, yeah, 24 people? How does that happen? How does, that, how does this be one big misunderstanding between him and 24 people, and with what his lawyer said yesterday, with what his lawyer said yesterday about the end of the massage, okay, yeah. what he expected when the massage was done, 
He said, that's not illegal. You just threw Deshaun Watson back under the bus and makes this whole investigation brand new all over again. That this new thing came on, according to your admission, that he was asking for at the end. It makes Deshaun Watson look horrible. Isn't there a chance it could have been consensual? And maybe there are whatever reason going back on that 24 times? 24 people. I don't know if all 24 had that same act happen. I don't know. They accused him of different Mm. things. But it's possible you can't just judge somebody guilty because of that without having the proof. And, again, it could be consensual. We don't know. And that's it's really unfair to do something to somebody yeah, without knowing I for know. sure. 24 times. Eugene's on the line. Hi, Gene. Hey, guys. Hey, this is an impossibility. I'm agreeing with both Gary and you, Chris. I can't believe this. <laughs> it, it, it's like impossible. But, Gary, you're absolutely <laughs> right. You're innocent until proven guilty. Chris, you're right about public opinion. However... This started off with not 24 uh, professional massage therapists. This started off with, I want to say, maybe half a dozen. Then it went to 12. Then it went to 20 or whatever it is. And that's where Gary, you know, I think I agree with him that there was some piling on, let's just say. And even my own daughter said, ah, you know, Dad, it just seems like these women are just they heard this other stuff, and they just said the same stuff. Now, Gary, what you said about consensual, that's another point that, that you know, I think, Chris, you, you need to consider because some of them may have said, yeah, okay, and they gave them 500 bucks or whatever, you know, for a happy ending. And, and then all of a sudden they said, hey, wait a minute, I can wait, make way more than 500 here. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, if, but I don't know that, Gene, I don't know if that happens 24 times. I think what's happening is you well, had your original 22 people. Happened. Wait, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish for a yeah. second. You have your original 22 people come out and go, okay, we went to court. They found him, uh, you know, they couldn't find him guilty. So now to, then you come out and you give, you uh, pay the guy $230 million, and that's a big uh, flipping the bird to everybody going, hey, you know what? Not only does this guy get off, but he has generational wealth for his grandkids because he can still throw the football. And I think more people saw that and said, you know what, I'm mad, I'm coming forward, and I will bet both of you that more people are going to come forward as we move along here. I really do think so. Anyway, go ahead, Gene. Okay, so, so you know, this point well taken, but the other thing I'll say is, come on, if they did a criminal investigation – and they didn't find enough, when you go to civil court, that's for money. That Mm -hmm. is for money. The criminal court declined to indict the guy. So I don't know. I wasn't in the courtroom. But I do know that the criminal court said, no, there was not enough to charge this guy. Maybe it means that it was consensual. I don't know. But, yes, the optics, Chris, very, very, but that's the difference uh-huh. between putting a hole in us. You put a hole in us, you got to get the optics. Uh, hey, I got a question, Gene. Hey, Gene, yeah. I got to If you go to civil court, is it always for money? Yes. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks for calling thanks. in. 
I love, and I wish he'd call in Dana. I love that guy. And one thing to remember also, with the, at least to the 22 women, they did not all allege that they had the same act to finish the massage as some did. It wasn't where all 22 right, right, right. thing happened. All of them had some kind of abuse. Yes, yes. It's taking the hand and touching that, you know, to begging, you know, now people coming out uh, from the corner of the Times begging for, oh, please do this. Oh, yeah. can you please? Begging. Oh, but some did guys nothing. Uji. Some did nothing. There was one lady who was quoted as saying she ended up doing nothing, and she knew his girlfriend. Well, think about his girlfriend. And that's why she refrained from doing anything and ne- blocked his phone number after that and never dealt with him again. Yeah, the guy's sick. The guy's yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. The guy's sick. I, 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 just, I just don't believe him. Anyway, uh, anyway good talk. <laughs> we'll I do don't believe again. him either. I don't either. On ESP, ESPN Honolulu. Starting Text in if you want to get involved here. You can call or text in to the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. You guys are getting pretty naughty on the text coming in. I can't read those two. Um, Somebody here says, sadly, I have learned that he, meaning Deshaun Watson, will will receive the majority of his money even if the NFL suspends him for the entire year. Oh, the, the, the reason why is because they figure he's going to get suspended. This is how bad the the Haslam family is. I mean, these guys, I wouldn't, ugh, these guys are pretty, anyway. They um, backloaded the contract. So if he got, like, they, they're saying, okay, you're going to get $230 million guaranteed, um, $229 million after 2023, whatever it is. So they figure he's going to get suspended. He's not going to lose a lot. So the agents and and the and ownership worked out this deal, going knowing that he's probably going to lose some money this year. So instead of making it even or a regular amount of what he should be worth, like twenty five, thirty million dollars, right? Yeah. They're 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 playing they're 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 playing games, and finding a loophole hole on how to get him even more money. So even if he gets suspended for a year, he's not going to lose that much money. That's why I think the NFL should say, you know what? You are suspended for all of 2023 or half of 2023 to half of 2024. Let him come back after not playing for a year and be rusty and bad. And then when he starts getting good, then you suspend the guy. And, yeah. That's Tom Brady doing. had his contract reworked after the flake gate where he got suspended, I think, for the first four games of the year. That year he only made like a million dollars, and then the next year it was like, 20 or whatever it was. So right. they but Tom, Tom Brady was in deflating footballs. Deshaun Watson was assaulting women sexually. Allegedly. John is on the line. Hello. Hi, John. Yeah, as far as, spe- as far as his speculation about whether or not he did it with all, tw- you know, 23 women, I, I would ask you, like, how come there's not uh, 23 or however many women uh, accusing like Peyton Manning and Eli. Guess why? Because they never put themselves in those kind of situations. Yeah, they're uh, not sick. You know, yeah, that's, you know, sort of, put, but, but they're home with their family doing normal stuff. But, uh, you know, if I, hypothetically, let's say if he was innocent, which I don't believe he is, I think he, whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. I think I would advise him, like, learn how to be in the right places at the right time and, uh, you know, you won't have these people crawling out of the woodwork uh, trying to sue you all the time. But uh, yes. I think he's got his, I why don't 
why don't you why don't you why don't you find and, and and find the people that do the sort of thing that you want them to do and give them a call why are you doing this to innocent women because that's what kind of gets him off or maybe they did agree <laughs> I, I, I don't know I, I just, John, I, thank, I tell you, I John, never going to be. I cannot. I'm not rooting for the Cleveland Browns again ever. That's all I got to say. I think there's a lot of Browns fans that are saying that too. Hey, we're up against it. We got a guest standing by to talk about the NBA. We'll get into Game Three, which you can catch tomorrow here on ESPN Honolulu, and we'll have more of your texts and calls at 808-296-1420 as well. All coming up with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. I'm having fun with these uh, NBA Finals going on, your exclusive home for the NBA Finals, right here on ESPN Honolulu. And joining us from the Bleacher Report, uh, back on the show, and we thank him so much for coming back. I'm really surprised that he agreed to do it. Dan Favale joining us now on ESPN Honolulu. Hi, Dan. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Dan, thanks for joining us. And, you know, when I look back not only on the two games of the finals but the playoffs overall, and it's no surprise or secret, I want to ask you why we had so many decisive games, so many blowouts, and I don't think we've had one overtime game or one buzzer beater in these playoffs as well. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't have I don't have the answer. I think a lot of hmm. things go into it. There's three-point variance nowadays when you have teams that are so reliant on shooting threes. Um, if you miss a ton of those shots, if you make a ton of those shots, there's going to be variance in the scores. We've had injuries. I also think through the earlier rounds of the playoffs, playing every other night on these guys um, made them tired and it was tougher to manage certain injuries. But that doesn't necessarily explain what happened in game two with, with the Warriors and Celtics. We can just hope that things are, are closer moving forward. It looks like defense was a big reason for Golden State winning game two, especially when you see guys like Marcus Smart and Al Horford kept the two points each. Robert Williams got about his average with two points. What other adjustments did you see Golden State make in the second game? Yeah, I mean, they really got um, into it when it came to forcing turnovers. I think they had 15 steals. And if you're going to have those live ball turnovers against Golden State, it's over. Um, They're so good at, at turning those into easy transition opportunities and, I, and the other thing i thought that uh the warriors and head coach steve kerr did really well was they seemed like they upped steph curry's sort of um pick and roll volume but they also got a little bit weirder with some of the lineups i like that gary payton the second was able to play with a gadala out we saw a super super small lineup where it had gp2 jordan Poole, steph curry Otto porter and i think it was draymond on the court at the same time and that worked they tried different variations of going small with draymond at the five um where you saw i think uh, Andrew Wiggins was benched in favor of GP2 at one point. We saw some Otto Porter in those situations. And so I think that gave them the ability to sort of match up a lot better with Boston than they did in, in game one. Dan Favalli from Bleacher Report joining us here at ESPN Honolulu talking the NBA playoffs. What is your take on what Draymond Green did with Jalen Brown on Sunday? Should it have deserved or ended up with another technical? Yeah, I do think it should have been. You hate to see games impacted in that way, but he picked up a first technical early, and I would like to see just some semblance of consistency in how the games are called and the technicals are are divvied up. Just because a certain player gets one, I don't know that he should be given preferential treatment moving forward, and Draymond is the type of player that really seems to try and push um, how far he can go after getting that first technical when, yes, you don't want to see the refs be too – um, technical happy or too early with those calls. But at the same time, if you're Draymond 
and you know that you have that first technical, um, you should be sort of playing and acting accordingly after that. And so I do think it should have been a second technical for sure. I mentioned earlier, and I mean, it's a different way of looking at it, but when you look at the quarters of the two games, I think Golden State has pretty much been as good or better in seven of the eight quarters. Fourth quarter of game one, they totally fell apart. Having said that, when you look at the series tied one game apiece, how do you think it'll play out now? Um, I'm really interested to see how, how it plays out. I think you can come away if you're Boston um, and feeling pretty good that you're able to steal one of these games on the road and that you had um, probably a really disastrous game, too, and yet you're still only now a minus seven for the series. But I do think when you look at how these offenses have unfolded through the first two games, it's very clear that Golden State has more layers. Um, they've had players, aside from Steph, who have been variant in their performances. We've yet to see a trademark Clay Thompson game. We got a good half from Jordan Poole. Um, and the fact that they're still able to be in it 1-1 and they're able to try all these different things, they're just – more dynamism there, I think, for Golden State. And ultimately, I think that's what's going to be the deciding factor in this series. There's been a lot of talk, maybe before the series started, but I don't think it's died down much, that if Steph Curry wins the championship and his finals MVP, that will cement his legacy as maybe one of the top ten players of all time. People have maybe top five or ten. But to me, I don't think he needs to win to cement everything he has done or just, you know, dismiss what he has done over his career. What are you, where are you on that? I'm with you. I think, look, if you're not going to put him top 10 now, I think it's fair that a title and a finals MVP could help you bump him up a little bit. But there's really not this huge difference. I think that he's in the conversation with Magic Johnson as the, one of the greatest point guards in, in NBA history. And whether he gets this title, whether he gets this finals MVP, that's not going to change for me. He has been the single most important player on what is one of the longest dynasties this sport has seen and it's a it's the most recent it's the longest modern day dynasty we've really ever seen so i think he's in that conversation already just like you said regardless of how this series plays right. out you can check out dan favali on twitter at dan favali as he joins us here with the animals on espn honolulu talking nba playoffs uh to get away from the playoffs for just a second utah made it be known or dan uh, quinn snyder let it be known that he will no longer be coaching utah i believe after eight years who do you see as their next head coach I honestly don't know. I think it's probably going to be um, someone that maybe has ties to Danny Ainge. I know Nick's assistant, Johnny O'Brien, to mention because he has ties to, to Donovan Mitchell. Um, but also when you look sort of throughout you know, Danny Ainge's track record when he was in Boston, he doesn't necessarily have a, a history of trying to pillage through like the, um, the off-the-beaten-path names or, or these assistants. He's either gone after the high-profile college guys or, or some of the bigger-name established coaches. So it feels like while they've named all these different candidates, it feels like this is a list that will continue to develop, and I think we'll see some pretty well-known names um, associated with it, or at least names that have a connection to Danny Ainge and or Donovan Mitchell. I want to ask one last question. I know this is I'm basically talking about 10, 11 months from now, but Boston Celtics came out of nowhere in mid-January. They were under 500, and we see where they are right now. And I know at the beginning of the season, or even throughout the NBA season, everybody was pretty much guaranteeing would be between Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, the defending champs. Neither of them obviously made the finals and even made the conference finals. Do you think next year the Boston Celtics will be right at the top again or are one of those three teams that kind of uh, just fell apart in the playoffs might be back next year? Uh, it, it could go either way. And I think what's so interesting about this Boston window or this Boston opportunity here is championship opportunities are just so fickle and they're fleeting. You can't just assume they're going to be back here next year because you have – 
such an, a promising base and that your two best players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are relatively young. You outlined all the reasons. There are going to be teams that are back in that mix next year. Philadelphia could do something substantial. Miami has some assets where they could make a move. Even Toronto is sort of looming there. One of these sort of fallen teams, um, what if the New York Knicks are able to do something or if the Bulls, after they fell off last season, they can come back. And so I think it's fair to argue that this is going to be the best opportunity Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have to win a title in Boston because they're they're already here. And so as young and promising and open-ending as this window seems, I don't think it's a given that we can just say they're going to be one of the top two or three teams in the East next season. And we don't know how these finals are going to play out. It's not a given that either team will win, and that's the fun part of it. Draft only a few weeks away, and before you know it, it'll be next season as well. Dan, thanks for talking the NBA with us. We always enjoy talking with you, and I'll do it again soon. Most definitely. Thanks for having me as always. Take care. All right. Dan Favalli from Bleacher Report joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. We'll start our coverage at 2 p.m. tomorrow and Friday. NBA Game Finals 3 tomorrow and 4 on Friday on ESPN Honolulu. Your exclusive home for the NBA Finals no matter when it ends. And I'm not saying when, but we've got you covered. That (laughs) is for sure. Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman and Chris Hart will check out your text and calls at 808-296-1420 a little bit later throughout the show. You know, I saw something from LeBron James yesterday, and I know sometimes he's an easy target, and I'm not talking about what you might have heard today where I guess on his shop, on his TV show, The Shop on HBO, it was a question where somebody asked him, who would you rather play for, the Warriors or the Celtics? And he said the Warriors, and everybody's taking it and running with it. He was asked a question, either or. But that was mentioned a lot today. But what didn't get as much publicity was yesterday. And I, I can't remember if it was Bleacher Report or USA Today Sports. But he gave a statement where he said, basically, I can't stand all these armchair quarterbacks at home or telling me or making it known what should be going on in a basketball game. And I'm paraphrasing a little at the end, but he said they're fans at home and they think they know a lot about basketball and they're giving their opinion as if it's fact. Somebody commented on his comment and said, perfect response. That's how I feel about you when you talk politics. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a great response because it's so true. I mean, he, LeBron's right. When people are criticizing, not so much criticizing, but telling what he should do, what he shouldn't do, who he should play for and all that. But by the same right, it should work both ways. And he shouldn't be commenting on something else, which he doesn't have a lot of experience in. So only politicians can comment about politics? No, no, not so much to comment, but to say what should be done, what shouldn't be done. Doesn't that work both ways? I I mean, I thought the the response from a fan or, or a viewer or whatever was right on. And I'm not saying I'm not saying he shouldn't comment on it. I'm also not saying fans shouldn't be able to comment on the game. When fans think they know exactly what should have been happening, what should have been done, what needs to be done, no, they're entitled to that. That's fine. But when they think they know more than somebody who's involved in that field, like a coach or a player, I think they're wrong. But if LeBron's going to say that, it I works both ways. There's there's a, there's a few times where I think fans know more than coaches. When coaches do a move. They, they call a play, and fans go, that was the most idiotic play. And I think the fans know more. I think the fans know more than Pete Carroll when he went to throw the ball where he should have just run the ball with a great running back from one yard out in the Super Bowl. He was wrong. It, oh. That was a bad call. I think and there's some co- – Well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the high percentage play is to run the ball. That was a bad call. And it lost him the game. I think that when Fred Von Oppen was coach, he called some plays where fans 
knew more than he did. He was that bad of a coach as a head coach. I think there's some situations, just some, not all. Okay. But I think okay. there's some situations where the fans know better. The coach wasn't, wasn't thinking straight. Or the th- coach overthought things. Still, they're basing it on a lot more knowledge and information than a fan would who's never around the team 24-7, watching right. film, watching the situation, what the percentages show, the analytics and all of that. Right. I think it's almost like 1% of the time the fans know more, and it's probably a lucky guess that time. Well, I don't know. And I'm, I'm, just th- I'm, not talking, I'm just talking about, okay, Norm Chow comes to town. He's never been a head coach. So he wants to get a big, huge he wants a bunch of 320-pound offensive four-star athletic offensive linemen. And he gets, he gets guys like uh, uh, Jesse Sapolu's son, who's 5'11 and 260. You know, I, I mean, we out here know what we get. June Jones didn't even get those kinds of players. Norm Chow had in his mind, this is the t- kind of team I'm going to develop, and I'm going to play smash-mouth football in the Mountain West Conference. That was stupid. Fans knew better than Norm Chow did in that case, didn't they? No. They, they don't, they oh, don't okay. have, I don't think they have the background or the knowledge to know better. They might have guessed something that might have worked out better after the fact, but it's, I don't think it's wrong to want that. Uh, it was another thing to be able to accomplish that as far as getting big linemen like that. But, right. But to, devi- to, to make your offense – designed around guys like Max Wittick and to, um, to to have, you know, keep running the ball up the middle, well, that didn't work. And I don't want you to come out and say it's not the same play because there are different blocking schemes. It's not the point. The point is you ran the ball up the middle on a draw play on third and eight over and over and over again, and it didn't work. Fans, after a while, look at that and go, that's not going to work. Your offensive linemen are too small, and your running backs aren't good enough. And they were right. Norm Chow was wrong. All right, that's the latest there from Keegan Ota. It's the animals here. Chris Hart, Gary Dickman on ESPN Honolulu. From Punahou, our very own Chris Hart. Hey, um, the other day. I don't get it. I'm just letting people know that I know where school you went to. Why is that funny? Well, you and I remember a discussion we had about 15 minutes ago about me pointing out what school a lot of names are from on our show. Oh, yeah, that was off the air. No, I that, know. It, just, it, was a, it was for you. Okay, <laughs> now i got to tell the story. Now i got to tell the story. <laughs> you can't just leave. You can't just throw that out there. And Animal Kingdom's like, what are you, got, what are you talking about, dorks? I figured you would laugh and we'd move on. Apparently not. I'll just, we're not going to mention any names. There's a couple of people at this radio station back in the day. Anytime, anytime there's a sports conversation going on, um, you would say something like, um, someone would say, well, uh, let's, when you're talking about quarterbacks, you have to talk about Peyton Manning. Then the other person would go, Tennessee, right? Whenever a name of a, an athlete was mentioned, these two people would always jump in and interrupt whoever's talking to let everyone know what college the person went to, even though it had nothing to do with the conversation. So I was reminding Gary that he was one of those people. 
I never said right. I just said the college if I knew it, and that was it. But once a high, right? <laughs> yeah. Point two. Once point a well high, taken. Long Island. <laughs> All right, let's get back to talking okay. to the audience instead of making uh, private jokes between okay. ourselves. Yeah, so I saw this a couple of days ago, but, you know, the college football magazines are starting to come out, it being in almost mid-June, and, you know, the season will Walmart, start. Walmart, right? Walmart, right? Magazines? Um, Long's Drugs. Sorry, go yes, ahead. Yes and yes. And I know Chris will get mad at me if I say how many days are left before college football starts. So I don't want to do that anymore because he told me never to do that again. But I will say, though. No, you can do it. I just don't want to do it in a, in a cliche way. Um, the joke was going to be, well, I'm going to give you 155. That's how many days until college basketball starts. I'm hoping I can do that countdown. But you ruined that, too. <laughs> no, see, that's something new that we never do. So that <laughs> okay. makes sense. But I interrupted. I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, Athlon Sports has come out, at least online, and they've got the all-Mountain West teams. Now, they do pick four, four teams, so it's 120 players total, uh, 30 on each team. Now, for the University of Hawaii, which is what we care about, unfortunately, nobody on the first team. And before I go to the second team selection, Chris, can you think of anybody who might have been warranted to be on the first team? I mean, if Corey Bethley was here, I would think of maybe him. Um, I don't know if anybody else would have deserved being on first team All-Mountain West from last year. You know, one of our standout players, maybe one of our offensive linemen, maybe Panay Pavihi, maybe, and maybe not, I don't know about Pavihi, but not even one of our offensive linemen. we got a lot of guys coming back. Uh, one on the third team, and, and I'll get to that. And I mean, Darius Muisel, I think, would have been an obvious choice a few oh. years back. Oh, that's right. He's not with us anymore. Well, he's not with us. So anyway, when you go to the second team, all Mountain West, well, he's one still player. with us. He's still yeah. with us. Well, he's just yeah, not right. on Hawaii's yeah. football team. With us in our hearts. Uh, Blessman mm. Ta'ala, second team, all defense. He had 30 tackles last year, six, tackle, six tackles for loss, uh, even though he wasn't honored by the Mountain West after last season as well. Now, again, that's on the second team. For the third team selection, three Rainbow Warriors were selected. Dietrich Parson was a third-team running back, just under 900 yards of offense, nine touchdowns. He ran for 618 yards on the ground at a 5.2 yards per carry, which is pretty right, impressive. But, okay, this is fourth-team or third-team you're third talking team, about? Third-team. So I believe that if he was the starting running back last year, that he would be maybe a first or second team guy because Ronnie Rivers and those guys are all mm-hmm. gone. Good point. Is it Ronnie Rivers from yes, Fresno? Is that Fresno. the guy? Yes. So the the, the the top guys are gone, and he would have had really good numbers if he just had more carries. I mean, I think he's that talented. Well, you know, we got point, maybe we got a little bit of a sleeper. Five point two yards a carry. I think that's a lot of talent, and I expect even yeah. bigger numbers from him this year. That's outstanding in the limited time that he got uh, last year. So I think, yeah, I think. Better days for him. Caleb Phillips was interesting because he also made third team. He had 17 catches for 89 yards and two touchdowns. One of them, I remember, was against UCLA in the first game of the season. I'm thinking, oh, this guy might catch a lot this year. Only one touchdown. I think that was near the end of the year after that. You know, I am. I think part of it, and they even mentioned, a lot of the big tight ends in the Mountain West graduated to the NFL after last season. Uh, the Cole mm-hmm. Turner, the Nevada, Colorado State, and Utah State tight ends come out come to mind first of all. But I think there was another one. San Diego State had a great tight end. I believe they're all gone. Uh, but still, Caleb Phillips, third team, will take it. And then also on the third team, you asked for an offensive lineman, Il Manning. Uh, he was all honorable mention last year by the Mountain West. Athlon has him as third team this year. 
do have two honorable mention. You mentioned Panay Pavihi. Uh, he's on the fourth team. I'm not an honorable mention. Fourth team, excuse me. 47 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, one sack, and a fumble recovery last year. And then Micah Vanterpool on the O-line. He was honorable mention last year in the Mountain West. Boise State gets 15 players all together on the four teams. San Diego State gets 13. Utah State, Colorado State get 12. Air Force gets 11. San Jose, Fresno, and Wyoming get 10. New Mexico got nine picks. UNLV, seven. And last is Hawaii and Nevada with six picks total. Wow, that's interesting because we've got a lot of guys coming back. I mean, our best players are that have transferred out, right? Yes, yes. But um, I didn't see the, you know, the first team quarterback is Jake Hayner from Fresno State, right? Yeah. Guy's pretty good. I was surprised that Hank Bach, Bach, is it Bachmeyer, 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 <laughs> that Bachmeyer is a third team quarterback, and the Utah State guy was the second team quarterback for the Mountain West. If it's based on last year, I think the Utah State quarterback, they won the division and went to the championship game where Boise State had an off year uh-huh. by their standards, so maybe that had something to do with it. Gotcha. Gotcha. But it's kind of, you know, when you look at these, you know, our guys have left and you look at some of these, um, you know, nobody really strikes fear in me when I look at the first team offense. So I'm thinking of guys University of Hawaii has to, you know, face this year. Okay. And the first team offense doesn't, except for Jake Hayner, they don't really, uh, you know, it, it doesn't strike any fear in me. But, I mean, on defense – you got uh, Vili, uh, this guy won't graduate. Viliami Fehoko, San Jose State, first team. And that right. guy's an NFL player. Maybe he's a little bit of a tweener, not sure. Uh, Jonah Tavai from San Diego State. Hmm. Is that a relation to yeah. Art Tavai's? Yeah, Jelani's brother. And Justin. Okay. Um, let's see. You've got um, really those kind of couple of guys right there come to mind. Uh, on a defense, guys that uh, guys that we don't want to face. But um, UNLV only got how many did we get? Se- how many guys? We have on the six team? total. UNLV had seven. Hawaii UNLV and Nevada had, more. had six. This is so Athlon Sports, right? And this oh. is Athlon, and, and we find out later that they're not as accurate as they would hope to be in a lot of their predictions. Like if you save this and go back to it, yeah. you're going to go, oh, okay, what were they right. thinking? Whether it's the Mountain West Conference or the you know, they might be more accurate like everybody else on the SEC Big 12 on the Power 5 conferences. Right, sure. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that's kind of fun information to know. I think with Panay Pavihi, maybe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong or when I'm wrong. I don't think he played a full season last year. I think he missed a couple of Mountain West games, and I wonder if maybe that's why they didn't look at him as anything more than a fourth team uh, all Mountain West for Athlon at least. Because I, I, th- yeah. I think he's got NFL talent, and maybe I'm wrong, but from day one, he filled in for Jelani Tavai, Jelani's last year, and Jelani had that injury, and Panay Pavi I thought was outstanding. I remember, I, was, I think it was against UNLV, he was in the backfield twice as soon as the handoff went there, tackled the guy in the backfield in, in that same game, and I just have seen great things since. Now, when uh, Rolo took yeah. over, I think he missed the whole first year. He got injured first game of the year and didn't, or before the first game. But still, that <laughs> right. guy's got talent. I think he could be that, that, that Yeah, but, but when you see somebody get into the backfield before the guy even hands off the ball, that's usually a mistake on the offensive line. That's, that's, okay. 
it's not like he plowed through the guys so fast. Hey, not even our, our Matthew Shipley didn't get any love? No, not according to On special to the, teams? Not he had a the good year list. last year. He did. He, he was had actually, a good year last year. And Matt Areza is gone. Areza from San Diego State, he got drafted. Right. So he, he's not in there mm-hmm. as far as a punter or a kicker. Yeah, but uh, James Phillips now, he used to be the receiver. Now he's the running back, yeah, right? Yes, yes, yes. They didn't run back. Okay. They didn't do too much running last year for this team, but, yes, he did get moved. Yeah. Anyway, when do, do we know when um, – fall camp starts already i have not heard and i'll try to find out by thursday show i'll get an answer i'll talk to somebody at uh and find it it's usually right around the end of july for them playing in week zero august 27th so should be right around the end of july some point but i'll find out by thursday show all right our number is 808-296-1420 if you want to call in here i'm trying to look at some other guys here on the um the um just on the University of Hawaii roster, and there's, you know, there have a lot of brothers on here. There's another Muasau on here. There's another um, Ta'ala. There's, uh, gosh, from the family, the Kamakaviva Oles. There's a, there's a, there's a, this must be, I'm guessing, is Kila's son, Kila Kamakaviva Ole? I would think so, yeah. Uh, for, uh, linebacker from St. Louis. Right. But they've got, um, yeah, a lot more guys com- coming back than we thought of, but, um, Caleb Phillips, he's still with us. He's the guy that was a linebacker, and then he got switched to tight end. That might be something. Here's a guy, Stephen Fiso, actually. Actually, Stephen Fiso, didn't he play tight end last yes. year a little bit? Caught a couple so of touchdowns list- at the end of the season. Yeah, he's listed as a wide receiver. But I think that under um, Timmy Chang's guys, keep your eyes on Caleb Phillips. He's a smart player, uh, pretty good blocker. But he's a guy at 6'5", 230, maybe that uh, Coach Chang is going to take advantage of this year. And it, I, I think he was underutilized last year. I oh, really big do. time. Right, right. It was almost like, why have him? I mean, you got to block, and he was good, but he very rarely had the ball thrown his way. Not my kind. I just can't Boy, the last few days, actually the last week, what a stir. The live golf tour is brought up in the world of sports this is just crazy and it really was when did was it friday or monday when was it where phil mickelson announced that he was going to play in the live tour was that friday or i think something? it was sunday or monday last two days sunday now. okay so phil mickelson makes the announcement okay because here i mean basically the timeline goes like this right phil phil mickelson is uh he says those things about the the live tour and the um saudi arabia and the country and all that and he says there and i still don't understand why he got in so much trouble for saying they're really bad people and they're scary remember so the guy yeah, writing yeah, the, the unauthorized uh, book so he said they were scary they're bad mfs and I, I got a chance finally we can uh maybe teach the pga a lesson whatever it is right using the live tour as leverage to get better treatment from the pga tour right and it was the oh he can't say that sponsors all dropped him heineken or amstel light which i believe owns heineken heineken dropped him uh callaway put their lifetime deal on hold uh workday and all, all his big sponsors said gone no more no more no more money with you but i don't see why 
it's so bad for Phil Mickelson to say that. And if somebody can text me at the Zephyr Insurance text line, 808-296-1420, or maybe you know something that I'm, not, I'm missing here. Well, I'm, Why is it so va- bad for him to say that? Although Greg Norman's fine with being the, the face of this tour. I think, Other golfers who are playing in the tour, no problem. But Phil Mickelson, it's horrible. What you said. Again, I don't know if basically it's been... the, I'm sorry, real quick, basically the other guys the other guys are saying are doing with their actions what Phil Mickelson said, aren't they? Well, I think the problem with people and Phil Mickelson is that he said these things, then said he didn't, which is one thing. They were, you know, I think it was recorded by the author, but that's not the big part. The big part is you're saying what a lot of people think about these Saudi Arabian terrorists or people, the backers, and yet you're going to bed with them, so to speak. You're going in business with them, or you are hinting at going in business with them at the time. You put it on hold, and now that that kind of died down and other golfers have gotten on board, now you're on board at the same – now you're on board as well. I think it rubbed people the wrong way that you're saying these people are terrorists and all those nasty things he said, yet you'll still get paid by them. What kind of a message does that send? Okay, but these guys are still – you know, they, they're, they're uh, still – Their human rights record, as they say in ESPN.com, is abysmal. Their human rights record is abysmal, yet Kevin Na and Dustin Johnson and Louis Eustazen and Sergio Garcia and go down the list of all the PGA golfers who are jumping ship. Why is it okay for them to go and play there? I I don't get it. I think they're viewed in a negative light as well, but not as much as Phil because Phil came out with those statements. Why do you think they're viewed in the negative light? Because I haven't seen anything, and I follow this stuff. I I, I heard uh, Christine Brennan was on one of the shows earlier. I heard a soundbite by her, and she was basically saying more about Phil, but about all these golfers working for murderers is the exact word she used. Uh So for the Kevin Na, the Dustin Johnson, Sergio, and some of those others – I think they're viewed a little negatively, but I don't. I think people might be not taking a wait and see. They're going to see how long they're involved, and they don't view them doing the right thing. But with Phil, maybe a bigger name than the other golfers, except maybe Dustin Johnson right now. But he said those things about him, nasty things, the truth. But then you're going to get paid by them. If those guys came out with similar statements, it would make them look even worse. I still think most people view them as, wow, you're going over there to take the money? I don't think people are too happy with them mm. yet. I don't think there's a negativity that – rest with or lies with phil right now you know i don't know i i don't know if you were um if you saw what kevin na wrote you you're familiar with kevin na and how much i i uh, really admire him right um but i mean he came out and basically said you know what it's like phil mickelson and dj and these guys they want to go play although somebody else i believe resigned from the uh dustin johnson resigned from the pga are you positive about yeah. that? Oh, yeah, that was a big story. No, yeah. because he wants to play in the – it was Kevin Na who resigned from the PGA, but right? Justin Johnson, last night I heard the news. Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you for that. That's the one I was looking for. Kevin Na started it off, and Kevin Na wrote, and it was a heartfelt because Kevin Na seems like an honest-to-goodness, good human being. And he came out and he said, you know what, PGA Tour, this is wrong. I'm, you can't tell me where I can work. I should have the freedom to work where I want to work. Remember, these guys are not employees of the PGA. They're all free general contractors. They're all free agents. 
And so the PGA is saying, hey, if you play there, you can't play over here. And he goes, you know what? These guys are going to really take care of me. The, ter- the, the season's shorter. The tournaments are shorter. I'm, I, I, you know, less wear and tear in my body. And they're going to pay me ten times of what you guys are going to pay me. How can you not go? When Dustin Johnson came out first and said, I've talked about it with my family, and, you know, because Dustin Johnson was all about, he even came out and said it. That's why it was so surprising when DJ left the, you know, joined the, the Live Tour. It was so surprising because just a few weeks earlier, he was like, I'm all PGA all the way, 100%. But I guess when they said, we'll give you $125 million, uh, his wife got a hold of that or his family and said, Dad, what are you doing? I don't know if they have kids or not. But it's like, what are you doing? Of course you're going to play in the Live Tour. It's $125 million. Now with Phil Mickelson, you have a case of him going, okay, you know what? PGA hates me. They're going to suspend me, like they said. Uh, they're, I've, you know, they're not treating me very well. Uh, people are making memes about me on social media. I've lost all my sponsors. I've gambled away a lot of my money that I've won in life. <laughs> so you know what? I paid a lot. Of those uh, those attorneys that tried me get that got me off the insider trading trial. So you know what? These guys are going to pay me two hundred million dollars to go play golf. Might not be very popular, but I'll just drive around with my windows up, <laughs> tint the windows. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be oblivious to it. I'll go live in London if I want or something because I'm going to take the $200 because you guys, t- in America, you took everything from me because of something I said. I said. It was stupid of me to say, but I lost everything I had. These guys were offering me $200 million, and all these other golfers ahead of me already committed. Heck, where's the phone number of that guy? You know, hey, Mr. Sheik or whoever, <laughs> count me in. This is right. Phil. You know, Dustin Johnson. I don't think you can blame somebody for for taking two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, two hundred thousand dollars, two hundred million dollars. Dustin I think Johnson. It's, it's, yeah, go ahead. One hundred and twenty-five million that he's getting is more than Tiger Woods has made on in golf course golf tournament purses over his career. Tiger has made one hundred and twenty-one million throughout his career as a professional. And, Dustin and Johnson is getting like, one twenty-five. And how many how many has Tiger Woods won? More tied for the most tournaments in history. What he's got 80, 81, 82, whatever it is, yeah, you're not yeah. gonna know. But I mean, whatever it is, it's it's that's pretty incredible. You know, yeah, and t- see Tiger Woods is a billionaire. You know, they probably offered Tiger Woods, you and I were talking about before the show, probably nine hundred million dollars or something to go play. Yeah. But what's he gonna do with another nine hundred million? <laughs> right? I mean, he's just, he's not going to play in that many tournaments. He's already got enough money for, you know, for, you know, forever. Right. They called uh, it a mind-blowingly enormous offer that couldn't <laughs> catch Tiger. This is from a source, in quotes. I mean, they offered Jack Nicholas $100 million. He's not even going to play. All right, let's go to the, uh, let's go to the uh, text line, the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line, 808 808- Two nine six fourteen twenty, John. Thank you for the text. Uh, he says, "Sir, <laughs> yes, Sergio is already hated now even more." Johnson lost a bunch of sponsors as soon as he made the announcement. Yes, uh, not a bunch of sponsors. Did you run a bunch, or was it just the uh, 
the RBC Bank in Canada, him and uh, whoever else it was. That was the first one. I'm not sure if, the, I, if I didn't hear any. I didn't hear about any other besides mm-hmm. that. Maybe there were more, but yeah. So okay, and there probably was because I, I I trust what John's saying here. Yeah. Uh, he lost a bunch of sponsors. Kevin Na retired from the PGA. So did DJ. Yeah, Kevin Na, he just came out and said, look, sorry, guys. I got to do what's right for me. You can't pick and choose. You can't hold me hostage. I, I like the way he worded it. Uh, John, thank you for texting again. He's, I was talking about Greg Norman. Norman is old and retired, so he isn't, uh, uh, he isn't of concern to the PGA. And then... Um, Chris, if the Nazis ask you to work for their radio show at double what you make now, would you? I don't think going to go make $40,000 a year would make me leave, no. Makes <laughs> a good point, though, he does doesn't he? does a good point, yeah. I mean, I'm sure these the people debated among their family members or amongst themselves, do I do this? I mean, this is incredible amounts of money. I mentioned the comparison with Dustin Johnson and Tiger. It's an amazing amount of money. It's hard to turn it down. I mean, maybe you're not directly involved with these people, so it eases the tension a little bit. I don't know. I also wonder, suppose a year from now, the Saudis say, you know what, we're not doing too well. We're done. I mean, what guarantees are that are there for the golfer that resigned from the PGA Tour and maybe the Live Tour will be over in a year or two? What, what happens next to them? Go play in the European Tour. Go, uh, you know, uh, play in other things. But if you're Dustin you, Johnson, how's that going? I mean, how do you feel about that? Then you retire early in life with a hundred million dollars yeah. in the bank. If that's yeah. the worst thing that happens to yeah. you as the live tour folds, then uh, <laughs> that's yeah, it. Doesn't matter when you go play for the live tour, you're set for life. Yeah, I would yeah. think. Now yeah. I don't know how. I'm sure they're giving Sergio at least a hundred million dollars. Louis U stays in the same thing. You want a major, you're going to get a hundred million. That seems to be the, uh, the 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 starting price. Now I don't know how much. Kevin Na would receive, or Taylor Gooch. Although Taylor Gooch is like a top ten player in the in the PGA, he's in the top ten. Remember how we're talking about DJ being number thirteen? Gooch is in the top ten. Gooch's had a good year so know. far, but anyway, they're going for the money. They're not going because they're upset at the PGA. They might be, but they're going for the ridiculous amounts of money they can get. Yeah, and, and but I, I, I thought either. that, it, but I thought it was cool of Kevin Na to come out and then DJ to follow and go. You know what? Whether I'm going for the money or not, it doesn't matter. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. Yeah. Don't yeah. hold me hostage and say, if you want to come back, you're going to be suspended. Nas going, really? Suspended? Well, that's okay. You guys go play your thing. I'll just go over here. You, Mr. Monahan, you made the decision for me. That's what Kevin Na and DJ are saying. Right, right. And good for them. Good for them coming out like that. Maybe. Is it good for them? Yeah. Or is it like them playing golf for the Nazis? No, I mean, you can talk about the Nazis or the Saudis or whatever, but as far right. as, you know, putting their foot down and let their true feelings be known on what Jay Monahan is doing, kind of like a judge, jury, executioner, monopoly, whatever you want to label him. I monopoly. mean, I don't think that's – well, I mean, he's got he's got these guys under his leadership, his company, and he doesn't want them going anywhere else no matter what. Right. I, I don't think that's the right way to conduct yourself, and I think I admire these guys for calling him out on that. I wonder why they can't kind of work together. I, I mean, if you want, if you, okay, when you look at uh, the USGA, the the main mission is, you know what, we, we got to take a break. We're running a little behind. But um, what I want to get out is, is the mission of the USGA 
I know we're talking about the PGA, but it should be of the PGA as well. And how if these guys play together, it'll all line up beautifully for all involved. That's coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Fast as we can It's text time at 808-296-1420. Let's see what, uh, in, what's in for us here at the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, I don't know which ones I've read and haven't. Okay. the We were talking about Deshaun Watson earlier. And the standards for civil court and criminal court is quite different. In criminal court, Reasonable doubt is why Deshaun Watson likely was not charged. In civil court, the jury must make a judgment. Please go read or watch Mike Florio, uh, pro football, talk about this. He is an actual lawyer. He says suspend him for the year so he can deal with all the legal stuff and evaluate next year. And does Gary agree with the Trevor Bauer suspension? It is quite similar to this. On the Trevor Bauer thing, I heard somebody say yesterday, well, he was suspended for two years. Not really. He was suspended indefinitely, and they kept extending it, which has turned into a year and a half right now. Uh, you know, And he was proven not guilty in a court of law. I don't know if the female victim is going to go civil court on that or not, but he was not found guilty in there. And he wants to come back, still MLB. And that's what I wonder about. MLB, and the, I think it's MLB first and maybe the Dodgers second. They've uh, continued the indefinite suspension for another month or two. I think they're similar, except with Trevor Bauer, there's one victim. And it's still, he said, she said, they had, from what Trevor Bauer said, the same thing. It was consensual. Things got a little out of hand, and there was some visible damage, injuries, I guess. Um, I, I, I agree with the Trevor Bauer suspension to a certain extent because of the injuries, but then again, he was found not guilty. So I'm wondering now, how do they still suspend him if he was found not guilty in the court of law? Mm-hmm. All right, here's another one. This is from uh, Bobby. Bobby, thank you. says, I agree with Gary. Coach, we were talking about coaches. I say sometimes fans actually know more than coaches in some bad situations. Uh, Texter says, I agree 100% with Gary. Coaches and players know much more than your average fan. Stop giving Gary a hard time, as usual. He's a little smarter than you. Ha, 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 ha. He said, ha, ha, ha. Uh, Stop being a bully, you bugger. All right, sorry, Can you read Bobby. that again? Stop being a bully, you bugger. <laughs> no, the whole part. I'm just joking. Thank you. Uh, all right, thank you, Bobby. And uh, thank you guys for texting in. So before we uh, went to the text line, I wanted to come back. We were talking about the um, the, the Live Tour and the USGA. And I before the break, I questioned out loud, why, why, why can't they, everyone just kind of work together? Does somebody know? And maybe John Henry is, seems to know a lot about golf. You guys who are listening, is the World Championship golf events, the WGC events, are those PGA events? Can somebody quickly text in and let me know? Because I'm trying to get to a point here. So what I'm getting at is it seems that the European Tour works pretty well hand-in-hand with the PGA Tour. Rory McIlroy plays a lot of European tour events because he doesn't want to – Rory doesn't want to um, travel to, you know, from Ireland to Hawaii to play in the century, which he's, you know, invited to, 
or the uh, Sony Open, and, 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 you know, he'll join the tour when it hits the, the continent, as, <laughs> as guys say. So, you know, you get an exemption. You're allowed a certain amount of exemptions from the PGA Tour, so they kind of work together. They're happy to let you play in a European Tour event if you want. I think that, um, what's his name, for, also from Ireland, with the red hair, and uh, he got the Opu, Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry does the same thing. So what's wrong? Now, take out the human rights record of Saudi Arabia. But what's wrong with the PGA going, oh, you want to play in that thing in London next week? Okay. What are they so afraid of? I think you answered your question, even though you said take out the human rights element. I don't Uh think you want to be in conjunction. That's not business to what you stated. I don't think you want to have any kind of identity with the Saudis right now if you're the PGA. Why? You don't. We're the PGA. We're the SEC in a way. I mean, I know we talked right. about some of the schools leaving there, but why do you have to deal, go down to their level? They're terrorists. They're murderers. A lot of people think we are the PGA. We own it all. We don't need to be in business with them or to help them or be affiliated with them. Right. But, w- but when you say we're the PGA, why would you let your players play on the European tour? Because they're no threat to you? Pro- that might be. I wonder if that would be the reason. But in what you're doing now is you're going, it's us against them. So if it's an us against them, somebody's going to win. And and uh, Commissioner Monaghan is gambling that it's going to be them. You know, this is going to be on television. Ultimately, the fans will decide. Now, I don't know that the Live Tour will ever take over the PGA Tour, but it could be pretty popular. It could be a really popular format that seems a little updated, right? If you want fans, because what we were going to get into is if you can work together, that's better overall for the sport of golf. Okay. That's what I wanted to get into. Because what does the PGA, the USGA is constantly preaching that. That is their, in, that is their sole mission for existence is to forward the game of golf. To introduce golf in places and to get more and more people around the world or the country, whatever it is, and introduce them to golf. Junior golf, making it more affordable, and all of that kind of stuff. It's just getting more, their whole thing is getting more people to play golf. And the, the Live Tour, with their new format, might be able to do that. Have more golf fans, which translates into more people playing golf, more youngsters uh, watching because it's a different format that's a little more consumable for television than, you know, the, the traditional long, long tournament. So it might be good. The live tournament might be good for golf, and the PGA is fighting that, whereas they should be more like the USGA and go, hey, you know what, we're not happy about their human rights record, but that's not what we're, we're about by saying who can play and who can't play. Because all of these guys who are in the Live Tour, they're allowed to come back and play or try and qualify for the U.S. Open. I, you know, part of me, when you look at this, okay, well, I'll, I'll give my comments after. No, no, you can give your okay. comment. Go ahead. I gotta. We'll have a scoreboard coming up in just a moment. Go ahead, Gary. You know, it seems to me the PGA is kind of like the old boy network. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but I'll give you an example. Any organization or sport that disqualifies you for not signing your golf 
uh, scorecard correctly, <laughs> things like that. They do things their way. They don't have to abide by any other tour. The European tour probably works out for them. So maybe yeah. that's one of the reasons. Let me ask you this real quick. You can answer after the break if you'd like. Are you surprised that they already have 42 of the 48 spots filled on the live tour? I don't know a ton about it before this. I'm surprised they got these names this soon. And the money's the reason why, but I'm surprised. Right. But they're not all PGA golfers. But you got Dustin Johnson. You got to fill. You got some names now that are going to oh, get interest yeah. from fans. That right. surprised me a little. At right. Least, if not a lot. And what they, and what it is is since you've got Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, uh, I don't know if anyone's following Sergio Garcia around, but you got Louis, who lives in Louis, who stays in. He lives in I think Utah. I oh. mean, his his favorite pastime is driving his tractor. So he's he's very you know he's very it, it, he's, he's a likable guy. He's you know, not from here, but he's he's like, well, like here. If you're not from here, but you you fit in and you're part of the you're a Kamaaina, what are you in America? Domesticated? I don't know if that'd be the right word. Either, but. <laughs> you're a, you're an American Kamaaina. Yeah. So in that case, it would be pronounced Kamaaina. Anyway, Kevin Na, likable guy. Dustin Johnson, Taylor Gooch, top ten player in the world. Right. You have all these guys going, and they're now. I bet there's some guys going out there. I know they got guys that they're not talking about in this one article in front of me, like Lee Westwood, who's you know towards the tail end of his career before he maybe goes into the if he can play in the um, senior tour or a champions tour. But these guys now that these guys are in, more people might follow and go, hey, you know what? Looks like their lives are okay, and look at that new car they're driving. Oh, this is really controversial. I only love six it. more spots open right now. Yeah. And yeah, only six more spots. And, uh, you know, at, at 100 million apiece, they're going fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got Keegan Ota pop open his mic for a moment. Keegan, if you can jump in. Are you there? Sure. You sound like you're in a bad mood. You're a little grumpy. <laughs> no, I'm not very happy. Didn't you sound a little grumpy today? No. <laughs> Did did Kanoa Leahy upset you today? Did he? What happened? What happened? No, nothing What's going happened. on? I just wanted to. I just, I, I'm happy. You're just mellow. You don't sound happy. All right. Well, we love you. Just remember that. He's sad because the show's about to end. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> Very. He's happy because he's he's getting ready. What day is today? You know what? This is how well I know Keegan. What day is today, Gary? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. It's Sick Doric Day. Hello. Yes, it is. Isn't it Sick Doric Day? Yes, it is. What is Keegan that? and all his friends go and close down this restaurant in uh, Waimalu Shopping Center. They, they, you cook your own Korean food. Oh. You know those places? Yeah. Yeah. Keegan, shop Keegan shop. And, and five of his friends go down there with jumbo appetites and shut that place down. So tomorrow he'll be in a good mood. Right now? <laughs> and asleep. It's almost Sikdoric time, and we're sitting here talking about his. Anyway, we've got 60 seconds left in the show. It gives me a laugh. show earlier. Yeah. Yeah, our show is supposed to go out for five more minutes. He's like, it's done in 60 seconds. Hey, one more time before I go. They got this concert tomorrow. It's called the Ohana Concert, and it, uh, the money goes to the Blood Bank of Hawaii. It's the Hawaii Symphony Orchestra. Tomorrow at the Waikiki Shell, 730 to 9. Um, you're trying to get as many people to go as possible because it goes. the money goes to the Blood Bank. The tickets are only $10. You can get them at the Blaisdell Box Office or Ticketmaster. And the Hawaii Symphony Orchestra will be forming under the stars. Well, as sunset is coming around 730 because it's summertime, right. you'll hear music from Jurassic Park and Harry Potter and Jaws and Star Wars and just a, a magnificent show. 
all to benefit the um, Hawaii uh, Blood Bank of Hawaii. All right, we'll see you on Thursday, tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Well, actually starting at 2, it's the NBA Finals on ESPN Honolulu.